Zero. First of all, I, I, I can imagine the hurt and the pain, but what's the key now for this team to stay up? You're a leader in this locker room. What's the key to keep them focused? Keeping us together. Um, I said it earlier in the group, adversity can break a team. We're drawing closer together. And after two weeks of hard losses, and uh, it's frustrating, you know, putting in a lot of hard work. Um, we know we're getting better as a team, but when it doesn't show up on game day, it's very frustrating. So uh, keeping everybody locked in, eliminating all the cancer is what we call it. you know all the all the cancer in the locker room getting that out and uh, focusing on our goals and focusing on becoming closer together as a team I, I know you got to get and I appreciate you sticking around after you've done all the media but I, Miguel Chavis came by and you guys had a moment how important is it for you to have a coach like that that you believe in? Uh, don't tear down what God has created and continue to believe in myself even on my mistakes on the field not letting that define me football is not my God uh, and he, him just reminding me of that in a sore moment like this makes everything that's so much so much more precious with him. Appreciate the hard work today, man. Good luck bouncing yes, back. Sir. Thank you. Ethan Downs after the game Saturday, 27-24 Cowboys win Bedlam. All right, big day coming up today, opening day college basketball. You got a doubleheader in the Lloyd Noble Center today. I think you can get in. I, I, I did a read on Saturday, and I'm trying to remember it here, Teach. I think the women's game, you can get in for $5, and then you can get lunch for $5. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but that was what the promo said. So uh, noon today for the women opening the season, the reigning Big 12 champs, regular season champs, uh, they get Wichita State. ESPN Plus if you want to watch broadcast today. 7 o'clock tonight for the men. Their season opener is against... Central Michigan. I'll be on the call of that. Looking forward to basketball season being here, Tej. Chris Plank will have hosting duties over at Rudy's okay. tonight. Belling on your team just when they're down and out. You're like, I'm out of here, guys. Look at you. Yep. Some, uh, Rudy. Some guy you are. Rudy's tonight. Uh, Chris will be over there. Six o'clock huddle. Seven o'clock the Brent Venables show. Um, okay, question. Oh, I wanted to share this. A CBS Bowl projection after the weekend, TJ. OU versus Auburn in the Texas Bowl. That's the one in Houston. That's their bowl projection. They've got OSU versus Notre Dame again in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. <laughs> right I don't know why that makes me laugh. Which is the old Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It made me laugh. Pop-Tart Bowl makes me laugh. So Okay, question you asked that you said a lot of people on the text line asking this morning about Jackson Arnold. Is it time? Now that you've lost two games, what's your opinion, T.J. Perry? I've been back and forth on it. I, 
while it's slim, the door is still open to play in the Big 12 championship game. But I also believe with where you are now, what you're looking at going into next year, two games at home here and then one on the road at BYU, it would be very good experience for him. So I don't know that you fully go with Jackson, but I would like to see him a lot more in these next few games. And if things don't go well this Saturday against uh, West Virginia, maybe you see him the entire time those last two games. But I do think it would be good to get him on the field and kind of see maybe maybe that might would anger people even more too if it just clicked and and Jackson Arnold was what everybody is hoping and thinking that he may be and maybe that makes you even more angry over the last two weeks uh, but it may would be good for Jeff too if it did come out if you did come out and start looking good and you saw some progress with him over those last few games and you saw what it was building towards and you could say okay Jeff Levy was just waiting for his guy to be there and be ready. So I've been back and forth on it, um, but I would like to see him more. I don't know that you start him this Saturday, but I do think you need to see him in the game quite a bit more than what we've seen him throughout the season. I think I agree with you 100%. First and foremost, you never do anything to disrespect this team this year. Right. Uh, the seniors on this team, so forth and so on, you don't put a victory in jeopardy to get Jackson Arnold some playing time. However, I do think if you can get him some experience, and I'm not just talking about in garbage time, maybe now uh, a, a series E chaff or something to that effect, a little bit mixing him in so he gets a little experience before next year. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you know, if he goes out there and lays an egg and looks terrible, then you know, abort. But as long as you're not sacrificing the ability to win the game, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, DG's your guy. He gives you the best chance to win. And uh, he should be your guy the whole rest of the way. The Big 12 title is still in play. A 10-win plus season is still in play. You don't do anything to sabotage that and this year's team. But if in so doing... Since the national championship is now likely out of, you know, is now out of play, I think that getting Jackson Arnold some uh, meaningful experience down the stretch is valuable going into next year. Agree. Fair? Yeah, I completely agree, especially. Look at us agree. Uh, that game against BYU on the road, um, I think that would be perfect for him as well to kind of experience that. So, uh, no, I think we agree. I think we agree. The other one uh, on that side is. What everybody is also asking, if Lebby leaves or is fired, does Jackson Arnold stay? That's a panic so, right now for people of, well, you can't fire Jeff because we can't lose Jackson Arnold. I would be, I, I would say a couple of things there. I've been given no reason to believe that Jackson Arnold is unhappy here and the only thing keeping him here is Jeff Lebby. I think a lot of that would depend on where Jeff Lebby landed. You know, uh, I would say I, I, uh, if you think his next job is going to be like UTEP or something like that, I think you're probably not realistic. Like this is a guy that Alabama wanted last year, and there's going to be plenty. And you look at the numbers they put up this year, 
there's going to be plenty of places around the country that are, you know, power five schools, maybe even SEC schools that are going to want Jeff Levy to be a part of their staff, if not their offensive coordinator. Right. So is that where he lands uh, more attractive? I, I would say it's 80% chance in my mind that Jackson Arnold would stay even if Jeff Levy left. Yeah, he's going to be the guy. He's uh, like, At the University of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. first year in the SEC, he's going to have one of the premier jobs in all of college football next year. I don't think that he is going to be butthurt and say, I'm out of here. I don't think so, but I, again, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, and especially knowing that he is going to be the guy, and he has seemed like a pretty straightforward program guy since the day he committed, you know. He's been selling this program, and um, I would be surprised by that. <laughs> John made me laugh on the text line. John and Blanchard says, Levy isn't being fired. He's not the problem. OU fans are morons if they say that. <laughs> it made me laugh. Well, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't think he necessarily will either unless this thing unfurls. You know, if if they completely crumble down the stretch, then that's a different story all around. But if they finish strong, it's really hard. You know, we're in the wake of this thing, Teach, right? I mean, we're in the – we're two days after a very painful loss. But if they won the rest, won a bowl game, even if they didn't make it to the Big 12 championship, it's really hard there at the end of the season to say 11-2 and two is a failure. It is always a failure, I guess, at the University of Oklahoma if you don't win a national championship. But – it's pretty much what we were all hoping for when the year started, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, then everybody was like, man, you get to double-digit, you know, 10-11 wins, then tremendous turnaround by Brent Venables and staff. Yeah, and it's I think it's kind of hard to make any changes at that point. Um, but that's a big if. Like, you, watch out for West Virginia, okay? Well, Oklahoma's reeling right now. Uh, they are banged up big time. Mm-hmm. And West Virginia, did you see what they did to BYU Saturday? No, they just beat them up, yeah. Destroyed them. Mm -hmm. West Virginia's got two conference losses, and one of them is because of Hail Mary at Houston. Uh, Another of their losses was on the road in Happy Valley in the season opener where they played them tough. So this is a good West Virginia team that is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Oklahoma should beat them. But if OU is moping or at all unfocused, they'll get beat again Saturday. They, they got to button some things down here, discipline-wise, turnover-wise. You know, I, I, if you couldn't get a snap out of Danny Stutzman Saturday, it's hard for me to believe he's suddenly going to be 100% again next week. Although Kip Lewis played fantastic, I think. So this is a dangerous game just because of the uh, storm swirling around the OU football team right now. Uh, you got a team coming in that's, you know, you're a wounded dog a little bit. So, All right, well, let's take a break a little bit early here uh, so we can give Porter full run. When we come back, head coach of the Sooners, Porter Moser, joins us on opening day of the season. Back after this. The T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you every day by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel. OKC's number one gaming destination. 
The one for entertainment. The one for games. The one for fun. Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Want to make Christmas wishes come true for foster children in the Norman area? Basketball season starts today. Sooners open tonight, 7 o'clock in the LNC, and we are joined by the head coach of the Sooners now in his third season in Norman, Porter Moser. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, Toby. I uh, always appreciate the U2 walk-up song, so good to talk to you, Toby. Did you see that uh, concert they had at that Sphere thing in Las Vegas? That looked unbelievable. It it is, and I've looked at it. I looked at tickets, and I looked at my schedule. (laughs) Trust me. And I just, I just haven't had a, a second to breathe to go there for that. But it looks really cool. The tickets aren't that crazy. I was ready for the tickets oh, really? to be like through the roof. And they weren't that crazy. And they allow like a pit in the front so you can move around and everything. So it looks like a really cool venue. Yeah, that thing is bananas. All right, uh, season opens tonight, Coach. I would imagine you're awfully excited to see this team, this very much new-look team against somebody else tonight. You know, Toby, this, this day and age, you, you invest so much in the, having to go through the two months of the transfer portal and the, the recruiting of, of just restructuring a whole team. And then, uh, and then, you, then you work with them all summer and, and spring, and you're put, trying to put these things together, put the pieces together. And it's just such anticipation for our guys, for us, to go through that process and, and to now have it for real tonight. And uh, I really like the energy of this team. I mean, I've really – it was intentional – that we were going to recruit like positivity, athleticism, length, gym rats, guys that were in the gym that wanted to play for that front of the name on the front of the jersey. And I think people are going to see uh, a, a more athletic, fast-paced uh, team tonight. How good do you think you are? I know it's hard to know, but <laughs> based on practices and scrimmages and all that, what do you think you got, Coach? Man, I, you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a fun question. It's it's uh, because you know there's days it was like we had the crimson and cream scrimmage the other day against each other and we hit like between the two teams we hit over twenty threes so on one half I'm sitting there man we're shooting the ball great and the other hand I said damn we ain't guarding anybody so I was like every play in practice sometimes going against each other um, you know you, you're sitting there looking at the good and the bad I think we have the potential to be better defensively we're not there yet. You know, it's just, uh, I think we have the, the athletic ability and the length to close out, cover more ground. Um, and, you know, but systematically you're still trying to, we, we do a lot of intricate things in our defense. And I'm really, but I think we're going to play really hard. Um, I think we have two elite point guards, you know, that can really pass. Uh, Milo Suzan and JV McCullough. Both of them can really pass, you know, really pass. You know, JV on, we're playing faster. We're trying to run on miss. You're going to see that tonight. You're going to see a little more pressing tonight um and uh so but Javion gets he's really really he's by far the fastest one and I think I told you this I don't want to put him in shoes that are too big to fill but I think the Oklahoma fans will relate him to a Hollis Price a Mm -hmm. a really fast wiry strong but really fast dynamic score that has a personality boy that would be uh that does evoke some good memories around here of Hollis Price for sure We've been trying to, uh, after since the scrimmage last Wednesday, trying to figure out maybe what your starting five looks like. So opportunity here to break some news, Coach. Do you do you know who's going to start tonight, or would you rather not say yet? You know what, Toby? I really applaud you for trying to ask this early. I think it's a really good, <laughs> good effort. Journalism, I mean, we're, we're, Coach. We're gonna, you know, I, I want people to come to the arena and see the starting five. 
you know, okay. people come there. But uh, no, I, I, you know, I, I think um, you know, obviously Los is is, is the, the head of our snake, and uh, it, you know, he's as a freshman, um, and that's you know, sometimes you want older guys, but he's just a true sophomore coming in, and I believe he's a guy that's really going to be a leader for us. And but we're going to play a lot of different lineups tonight, um, and you're going to see some different different things tonight. One of the guys that really jumped out to me during your scrimmage was Jalen Moore, six seven yeah. Georgia Tech transfer, tremendous athlete. Boy, it looks like, you know, whether he is a starter or not, he's going to be a pivotal piece for you this year. You know, he's he's an elite athlete. He's not an average athlete. He is an above the rim, play hard, six six two twenty five wing. Um, you know, he's he's. Uh, he can finish. He can really get to the paint. I think we got more guys that can slash and get to the paint. He finishes above the rim, but like he's just around the ball a lot. Like in that scrimmage, I think he had 11 points, 13 rebounds, and uh, he's just around the ball a lot. I mean, counting on him to get some above the rim rims, rebounds. He can block shots, but here's one area that you you, you know unequivocally we're going to be better at. Um, we recruit, recruited more length so, so we could crash the offensive glass more, and I think you're going to see that we've been. A pretty transition or defense oriented based on you know our length and our size and our athleticism. But we guys got we got guys like uh, Jalen Moore, Ortega Uwe, Rivaldo Soares, um, Caden Cooper, Sam Godwin. That we're like they're attacking the offensive glass. So we're we're trying to get 30 percent of our misses. That's like a, a standard that we're going for this year. It's very, if you put us up in the upper edge of the country, but we're 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 trying to smash and get 30 percent of our misses. And I think you're going to see more offensive rebound tip outs. We're really uh, even if we can't get it, tip it out, keep it alive, try to get more possessions on offense. Another guy that was impressive was uh, John Hughley, and I know you wanted to get bigger, and you did. He's a 6'10", 275. He moved better than I anticipated, Coach. He's not just a big space eater down there. He moves pretty well for as big as he is. And I think once he starts getting into really game shape, I think you're going to see him better by Christmas. I really do. I think there's a, there's a progression when you get into these games because there's nothing like simulating these actual games of basketball, the intensity of going against other teams. And so he's a guy, too. Like, you know, we saw last year they switched with our five a lot. And if we, we, we popped, you know, Tanner a lot. And if, if you rolled him in the post, you know, sometimes that was difficult for us. And as good much as good things that he did for us. But, John, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to think twice about switching a guard onto him. He is really hard to get around. He gets, you know, he's spaced, like you said, uh, and he can finish and score down there. So it gives us another, a different dynamic than we've had here. The question is, uh, what do you think your potential is defensively? Because I know it's going to be important for you to play defense. You got Tega back, who was an outstanding defender last year. Latre Dart Hard was an all defensive team guy in the WAC. Love him. Love Jalen. Jalen Moore looks like to me he could be a, a great defensive player. So how, how good do you think you have the potential to be defensively as a team? So Rivaldo Soares is another one. He transferred from Oregon. Um, and we brought him in, you know, because he guarded the other team's best player at Oregon every year. And, uh, and then, shoot, he's been shooting. He hit five threes the other night in our scrimmage. But Trey Darthard was all defensive. So I think we have the potential. I really think it's going to start with Milos and Javion up top. They've, they've got to really start some things defensively. I think we got some really good wings defensively. Um, we have this thing, DCO, we're trying to create offense with our defense, get stops. We're, we're, we're making an emphasis to run on makes more. We're trying to get it to the battle line, which we call five feet uh, to the, our, our three-point line. We're trying to get it up in transition to the battle line in five seconds. 
you know, we're really trying to make an emphasis on mates too to get it going. And uh, I think our defense starts everything with that, you know, getting guys excited to get a deflection, get a turnover so we can win the first three steps and run out in transition. So that's something that with, with our guys that, you know, we want to start tonight. We've been doing it in practice every day. We've been doing it in our scrimmages. Um, we're going to play guys. You know, we'll probably have, you know, we're going to play a number of guys, so we got to stay fresh so we can keep that pressure on. Two more quick questions. Uh, Luke Northweather, fascinating yep. piece. 6'11", shoots it really well from three, but obviously a big body. How does he fit in with what you're, you're wanting to do here? Like John, he's a different dynamic guy. He's, you know, he, he can really, really shoot it at 6'11". So, you know, we, we redshirted him, and that was the awesome thing. Nobody wants to redshirt anymore. But in this era of the COVID fifth year, you've got 18-year-olds coming in against 23-year-olds. And it just – so his family and him, we collaborated like we did it. He worked so hard. And now he got his body to where we're playing him at some four. There's going to be some times we play him and Sam together, him and John together. Then he can play the five by himself. So he gives us a guy in the wing, you know, that can really, really shoot. He's, he's learning to gap and use his length defensively. But uh, he's, a, he's a freshman, 6'11", and, he's, and he can shoot it, and he just can do some different dynamic things. So he is an interesting piece to watch. He's been really good in practice for us. Yeah, you do have the flexibility this year uh, to, to do a lot. You can go small, uh, you know, just throw about five guards on the floor and run. you got a potentially really, really big lineup if you wanted to put Hughley and Northweather out there together. It's, you got some fun pieces. All right, Central Michigan, um, how in the world do you scout a team that has 112 transfers? You know, how, do you have any idea what you're seeing tonight on the other side? As much as you can, you know. So they have Taylor, number zero, is a leading returning score of 14 a game. They got a, big, they got a different dynamic, too. They got a big guy in the middle that can really, hard, he can, he can really shoot threes. So anytime you get a five-man that can shoot threes, it, it's, it's a little different. You got to make sure your ball screen defense is on. But then they got like three uh, portal transfers and three JUCO transfers. So we have highlights of all their previous stops, but you're still putting them together. And you got no tape on them, you know, from this uh, previous, you know, these exhibitions. So, you know, I anticipate them being athletic, really trying to score on us. Their point guard, Pritchard, started at Tulsa last year. Averaged nine games, nine points a game at Tulsa last year. He's one of the really good portal kids they got. So it's, you know, they're coming in here uh, fired up. It's, it's going to be, we're going to have to really communicate and trust our system because you don't have so much scout on them. But you, so you really got to play your rules, your system, play your tail off, got to box out, take care of all the things that we know are going to happen. We know there's going to be shots off the rim, we got to block out. We know they're going to pressure us in defense, we got to take care of the ball. And uh, Toby, I really hope people come out and see us, man. I've been going everywhere. It was funny. I told in the last two Sundays, I've hit 24 fraternities and shorts, and I, I had them going. Because I said this last night. I said, I think college basketball is the sport that students can impact the most of any event. Because they're right there. They're yeah. right there. They're on top of it. I said to this group last night, I go, you're right there in the end zone. So you can get on a Big 12 official if they miss a blatant holding call and pull someone down to the ground. And the whole place erupted. And uh, so I'm excited <laughs> for the – uh, I hope I don't get banned for that. I, I hope I don't know what the I don't know what it is to cross over and talk about officials in different sports. I don't, I don't know what that that, that, that uh, protocol. Is. But I know this. I know this. I'm a, the student body. They they got a new promotion with Whataburger. How about this? If the students and I told them all this last night. If the students can get 
the opponent to miss two free throws in a row. Two free throws in a row. Whataburger has sponsored free taquitos for the whole student body. Nice. We got that going. It's free for the students. I hope other people around town fill this thing because I told them no great basketball program in the country. No great basketball country. Duke, Kentucky, you name it. Kansas does it without a great student body, a great home court advantage. It doesn't happen. You don't see a great we've got. We're going to create that this year. I think people are going to get behind our team. And, I, Toby, I can't wait to kick it off tonight. Giving away some super cool bucket hats tonight, too, at the door. Yes. So. All right, Coach, 7 o'clock tonight. Can't wait. Thanks for a few minutes of your time today, and we will see you at the arena here in a little while. All right, Toby Boomer. See you, Coach. Uh, TJ, a couple of things about Central Michigan. One, he mentioned Anthony Pritchard, Tulsa Webster High School transfer from uh, TU last year. And Thunder Dan's boy is on this team. Max Marley. Oh, really? Dan Marley's son plays for Central Michigan. He's a sophomore. So maybe Thunder Dan in the house tonight. That'd be kind of cool, huh? By the way, his bar in Phoenix, very expensive. Well, you, I liked Thunder Dan because I was always rooting for the Suns to beat the Bulls. You probably <laughs> don't like him at all, do you? I didn't like him then, and I didn't like him when I said, $13 for a beer? Are you serious? You know, maybe you show up at the LNC tonight and give him a piece of your mind, maybe. Who knows? 832, we'll be back. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Love Porter Moser taking a shot at the Big 12 uh, refs. Team about that? In the Bedlam game, that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, tonight, 7 o'clock. Um, I, 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 Kurt asked me, uh, any update on Dart Hard? I think he's going to be fine. I think they were being extra cautious with him. He rolled his ankle, looked like, in the scrimmage Wednesday. I saw them all Thursday night. We had the banquet downtown at the boathouse. And uh, no, no, no boot, no limp, nothing. So I think he's fine. But I don't, you know. They'll make a habit of asking about injuries in advance. But it looked like to me that it's just precautionary and he should be good to go tonight. Um, okay, Teach, what do you want to do here? Uh, we, we, we Text messages, phone calls, what do we got? Let's let people get it off their chest today. Um, well, there's a couple of people here mad at you that uh, you're supposed to say sooner when someone says, Boomer, who are you? We've talked about this before. Um I, 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 I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Well, it says here TJ wouldn't make that mistake. I would. I wouldn't say it back either on an interview with a coach like that. And, in fact, I get completely thrown off. Like, if I'm out of town and I'm in an OU shirt and someone yells boomer at me, like, I always – I don't know. It's not panic's not the right word, but they yell boomer, and I always yell boomer back. Boomer. Boomer! <laughs> like, I don't know how to react. Like it, You lock up. <laughs> I lock up. <laughs> what you said? <laughs> I feel like I always walk away like, God, you idiot. You're supposed to say sooner. Ah, I feel like if Porter Moser or Brent Venables, like at at the end of every pregame Brent Venables interview, he says, boomer. Jenny Baranchek does it, too. Yeah. I feel like if if I'm at the hotel or restaurant or whatever and Porter says, boomer, then I would automatically say sooner. Same with Brent. Same with anybody on the planet. 
but in an interview situation, it feels like it's not appropriate. I don't know why. It just feels like it's not appropriate, even though everybody knows what my job is. So I don't say it when somebody says it in an interview. I think it's not. I don't think it's for me. I think that is intended for Sooner Nation listening. <laughs> is my opinion. He's not saying boomer to me. He's saying boomer to all you out there listening right. to the interview. Right. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I don't answer it back. Maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Maybe somebody can convince me that that's the wrong thing to do. It just feels awkward. Okay. What else you got? Uh, let me see here. Uh, Burley says, well, here's what I see, and it's a real head scratcher. The offense starts going down the field, gets past midfield. We're on a roll. Then Levy brings out some new formation and players who rarely play, and we're real, we seem all confused. False starts, fumbles, makes no sense. They have stalled happen. out uh, mm-hmm. some drives over the last couple of weeks, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, specifically the second drive of the game, uh, you know, the first drive, they go three plays, uh, 75 yards. They get the long touchdown run from Sawchuck. They get a stop, get the ball back at their own one-yard line, and are driving. They take it all the way to the OSU 34. They're moving it well. And they come out in with Javante Barnes. And I- I'm a little unsure because... Brent said after the game the snap was not supposed to go to Barnes, but it I watched it the replay back, and it like certainly it. looked like yeah. that was the intent of the the way they were lined up. Anyway, the snap's early, or something happens, and they turn it over, and they're mad. Well, quit trying to get cute. Just keep going. That's a that's a popular thing to say it has seemed the last couple of years with, with this offense is quit trying to get cute. Let's just, uh, you know, stick with what's working. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's, you know, it's always one or the other. Either quit trying to get cute or please get more creative. Uh, whether Whatever you're doing, do the other. But it does appear sometimes uh, the offense gets in its own way. doesn't appear. It is a fact. Sometimes the offense gets in its own way, either with a questionable or an odd call or a mistake or a penalty or a turnover. Um, so... That wasn't the case the first six games of the year. We were bragging about how clutch this offense had been in close situations, late game tight situations. It was more than just the Texas game, but that's the shining example. Uh, They were also in a close game against SMU, or one-score game in the fourth. And went down and put two touchdown drives on the board. They were in a tight game against UCF where things weren't going great and put two touchdowns on the board late to pull away. But the last couple of weeks, when pressed late and even throughout the game, they have made crucial mistakes that have absolutely killed themselves. Just killed themselves. So, I mean, obviously that's got to be cleaned up. All right, uh, what do we got? More stuff. Let's go. Uh, Camo Sooner says, I get the feeling Levy is a little bit hamstrung in his play calling due to Gabriel's lack of arm strength. It seems he doesn't trust Dylan to push the ball down the field. Um, I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think you can be critical of Dylan underthrowing footballs. That for me is more of a timing situation than a lack of arm strength. Are there quarterbacks with bigger arms than him? Of course there are, but it really, but he's got a big enough arm to throw the deep ball. Whatever the extent of your arm is, TJ, you've got to let it go earlier if it's not going to go as far. And he has 
pretty consistently underthrown the deep pass. Now, sometimes it's worked out. Like, Farouk came back and got that one Saturday late in the game that put him in good field position. And we've saw we've seen Andrew Anthony do that this year. I think Farouk did it another time, maybe at Cincinnati. We've seen them get some pass interference calls because uh, receivers trying to come back for the ball. The Nick Anderson pass was perfect, though. I mean, it was in stride behind the defense, perfect, and he just dropped it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's a that he's hamstrung because early in the year, OU was like either led the nation or right at the top in. 30, 40, and 50-plus yard plays. I mean, they were going deep quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, I think that – I think that – but everything I just said, I don't need to reiterate it. It's been a kaleidoscope of things the last couple of games that have been their own fault for the most part. Oh, this is a long text here. We all know why the spot was short on the final drive. The same reason that we get called for P.I. when it was basically offensive P.I. on OSU. The same reason B.V. is called for personal foul. Same reason we have a couple of no-call P.I.s go against us. The fix is in, and the Big 12 isn't even trying to hide it. The only hope OU has is that they want Texas in the ship less than us. So if they play a game close on one of these remaining road games, Watch the calls get questionable. The calls and no calls that OU and Texas have had go against them the last three seasons are atrocious. You know how disgusting it is for OU and Texas fans to have to defend each other. Bleep the Big 12 for making me do that. (laughs) I did read uh, Joe Musato uh, during one of these commercial breaks was breaking down. uh, I think the uh, uh, I've clicked off of it now. But I think it was, how do we get Bedlam again? And he said he believes uh, they need a Texas loss and a Kansas loss as well. So I'm sure he's researched it out with tiebreaker scenarios and stuff. So it appears maybe that is the case. I don't know. I haven't researched it out. They still play K-State, among others, though. Uh, This texter wants to know, has the Big 12 released a statement about the Stoops P.I.? Uh, Stoya asked about it. They won't, but they will uh, yesterday, I think, uh, I don't know if it's Monday morning or Sunday, they get back to Brent. He talks about it sometimes on his show, so maybe tune into that tonight. But, you know, after a a game, a coach can send in questions to the head of officials and say, why was this called? And they will tell them we missed it or here's why they got it right. And so I'm sure that that has been relayed to Brent as to whether they did or didn't get it right, but they won't say anything publicly. And then it's up to Brent whether he wants to share that or not, which usually they don't. Uh, let's see here. Turnbow and OKC. It's a bad call. There's no way to defend yeah. that that was a right call in any way. It was, it was a blatant pass interference at a crucial time in the football game. Last one here, and I'll let us uh, head into the crossover. Turnovers had killed this team the past two games. That's not coaching. That's execution. Yeah, and again, that's a category. The first seven games, uh, they led the nation in turnover margin. Number one in the nation in turnover margin. And the last couple of weeks, it has gone the other way on them. All right, crossover next. This hour of the T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you by RK Black, a leading provider of office technology solutions for small and medium-sized businesses. Call 405-943-9800 or visit rkblack.com. It is time for The Crossover with Toby Rowland.
TJ Perry and Chris Plank, brought to you by Orthostat. Injuries aren't convenient, but Orthostat is. Orthostat, convenient orthopedic care. Seven days a week, no appointment needed. Now, with the crossover, here's Toby Rowland, TJ Perry, and Chris Plank. Huh. There we go. All right. Sorry, he was froze up on me. A little dry, but we'd take it. I felt like it went okay today, Teach. If uh, you're disappointed in the amount of outrage, just stick around. Two o'clock today is coming. It'll be fun from two to six, I'm sure. We welcome in now Chris Plank for the crossover. Good morning, Plank. What's up, Toby? How are you? Uh, I'm excited about basketball season starting today, but I'm bummed about Saturday, so I'm uh, somewhere in the middle there. It's a tough one, isn't it? Not the same. You know, it's going to be a day. We are, uh, you know, Mondays are Mondays are great because we get so much information and we learn so much. But Mondays after a loss, um, not just obviously here on the station, but, you know, from taping Coach's Corner to doing the Rudy's shows tonight, it's going to be, it's going to be real interesting to kind of get a, a sense, take the temperature of the mood. Uh, I, I think – I think coaches always, you know, after time, you know, we, you learn so much from losses. I think they, they always handle them a lot better than the fans do. And I know no one wants to hear that. But I'm uh, going to be a busy day. We're talking to Brandon Hall and Emmett Jones, I believe, here in a bit to tape Coach's Corner. Then with you calling basketball, uh, I'm in tonight with Coach Venables and Ted. And then I think it's what, is it Gabe and, and Caleb? On the huddle today? Yeah, let me double let me double check that. I'm pretty sure that's right, but let me double check that. I got a little form here that'll tell me. But oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, I'll I'll know whenever I walk in. I think is one way to look at it. So, yep, Gabe and Caleb tonight. Oh, good, 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 good. So, should be a fun day of, of learning. What what has been the big takeaway, T Row, on the T Row in the morning show with T J Perry throughout the recent three hours? Um, what's your Massive Offense. takeaway from the show today. Oh, I don't know that I can give you one. Uh, offensive mistakes. Um, obviously, nobody happy with the officiating. And has we had a nice discussion about what do you do going forward with Jackson Arnold. Heard that. that so was- there, there's been a mixture of outrage to, um, you know, positivity, I'd say, on our show. Anything in between. So it's a normal T-Row in the morning show. TJ and I were talking about this on on Friday, and I always find it interesting that a lot of times the the major outrage show is on a Tuesday. In yes. other words, it, it, it's almost as if everyone kind of says, I can't do any of this on a Monday. I'm not doing it. They uh, they may, Maybe they don't listen to their regular post-game shows or post-game pods or whatever. And then by Tuesday, they're ready to talk. Burn it all down. It's Tuesday. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what the psychology is behind that. I, I don't know. Some people don't want to listen on Mondays because it's too painful, and then Tuesday they can't mm-hmm. avoid it anymore. What the deal is, I will say I, I always listen to two post-game reaction pods after every OU football game. Uh-huh. Uh and I won't, you know, one of them's Teddy and Gabe, and the other one's not Teddy and Gabe. And uh, it was remarkable the difference in maturity between those two postgame pods this week. I'll leave it at that. 
<laughs> which is, I'll leave it. Which at, is probably, I'll leave it at that. Which is probably, uh, in, in all reality, Toby, a, a, a really good dichotomy of where this fan base probably yeah. is right now. I agree. Right? I agree. <laughs> There's there's probably that faction that's like bleep and everything and, and Gabe and Gabe and Teddy were not positive at all. Like they were appropriately mm-hmm. critical of what deserved to be criticized from Saturday, but they did it in a in a mature way. So. I I think the thing that Teddy said that really stayed with me, and uh, I usually I I try not to listen to to to, to Teddy, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but until Monday night. Because I feel like I'll just sit here for three hours and parrot everything he says, which obviously isn't a bad thing. But uh, after over the last few weeks, I've started listening when the show drops on Sunday. And as frustrated as you are with with the defense, if you would have told me that you're going to hold Ollie Gordon, what was it? Yeah. The number was under 150, right? Yeah, it was under 130 something. Yeah. Yeah, and and Alan Bowman was going to have to throw the ball that many times to beat you. Uh, I honestly would have said, "Oh my gosh, how how badly did Oklahoma beat them?" And it's just there is there's no simple explanation except for two things, right? If you really want to try to, and I'm gonna we're gonna talk about this a lot today over the next three hours, but suddenly the the Sooners can't hold on to the football. You know where mm-hmm. where they had been one of the best teams in turnover margin in the country. They're in the red over the last three games, and I included the UCF game in there too. Um, and it, it probably hurts the most when you look back at the Kansas game where they forced a couple of timely turnovers but then couldn't couldn't take advantage of it. And when they're getting these turnovers, they can't take advantage of it. And then, you know, penalties. Now, the SMU game, they had nine penalties. I went back and was, was doing some work last night. But for the most part, this has been a team that has been pretty pretty good on that front, and it just – it really hasn't been. Not you know, the last two last weeks. Week, what, yeah. Yeah, le- le- 11 last week against the Kansas – like what eight uh, Saturday, uh, and I think what frustrates me the most, Toby, is in both of these losses they had a chance to separate and they couldn't do it. So. That's right. That's a good point. Third quarter they had a golden opportunity there to get a two-score lead and really put the pressure on them, and they couldn't do it. All right, Chris, have a great show today and uh, tonight as well. Rudy's Toby, have a great call, man. Can't wait to listen to you. Thank you. Chris will be at Rudy's tonight, 6 o'clock, the huddle, 7 o'clock, the Brent Venables show. I got basketball tonight. Don't forget women play at noon today at the LNC. Have a great Monday, everybody.